Where'd the black eye come from? Oh, uh, one of the uh, one of the other bachelors, uh, one of the other groomsmen who I who I uh, hadn't met yet. You know, we we're all <laughs> bonding, having a good time. I get a little rambunctious when I drink, and uh, uh, he challenged me to a wrestling match after my like fifth shot of whiskey at four o'clock in the morning, and I, I did my best, but I got pinned. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of The Clever Kids. This is a weekly podcast where three brothers talk about a topic from popular culture that you may or may not care about. Uh, My name is Tyler. I am your host. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Jeffrey. Hey, what's up? And Brian is out this week, so it's just the two of us. Usually, uh, Jeffrey and I take take the opportunity to discuss some news. Um, maybe we'll jump into some news towards the end, but we do have a topic this week that we are going to cover, um, and that is in honor of the uh, Snake Eyes movie that neither of us went and saw. Um, what's it called? Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins or something like that? Anyway, we're talking about origin stories, um, and we're just going to jump right into the topic this week, and uh, Jeff, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it to you to give us the first, uh, the first origin story that we're talking about. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I do just want to mention that that uh, early on in this episode, next week, uh, uh, Brian will bust his ass to be here because we are going to be covering uh, the Green Knight. Uh, we will see that opening day. I, I will see it opening day. I'm <laughs> I sure like that, that you've just assigned that homework to Dude, me. It's, uh, I was me. definitely going to see it. Yeah, I, I've already. We were gonna. I was gonna do a viewing party with a group of friends at my house. Uh, Jeff actually got me a projector for my wedding about two years ago and uh i have not used it (laughs) since i got it um so i was going to take the opportunity to set it up and then realize that they're uh in the u.s it's only getting a theater release um so i had to kind of tell friends that if they wanted to see it with me that they would have to uh come to the theater um but i am down uh to cover that i'm actually really excited to cover that um so yeah i'll definitely have to cover that or go see that this weekend um that's a origin of sorts it's not it's not even close it it falls somewhere in the middle of the king arthur tales but um actually closer to the tail end because it's when arthur is much older uh, and can no longer defend his own honor and the the knights are kind of jostling with each other to defend his honor for for him um but at any rate uh this is a origin stories episode so um back on topic jeff what is the first origin story that you wanted to talk about oh this is also just just in general we just want to talk about origin stories as they are best of worst of what makes a good origin story i think maybe as we go through them we will uh, kind of break down what makes it a good origin, like what it says about the character, those kinds of things. Um, but yeah, I kind of wanted to have a, a cool talk. This actually would have been a good episode to have Brian on, but uh, uh, sucks to suck, Brian. <laughs> I hope you're listening. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll have to. Brian, uh... also, he couldn't be here because he was getting a, um, I don't know, an, uh, a, an equally embarrassing tattoo to uh, My Little Pony. Uh, on his actual uh, rectum. Um, that's what I heard, at least, uh, through the grapevine. 
at work because he also took days off. Oh, Brian and I work together now. Um, but yeah, he, he's not at work right now because of the tattoo on his rectum. Canon. Canon. Canon, people. So, um, <laughs> back on topic. Um, <laughs> I've been drinking, by the way. My wife's out of town, so <laughs> I came home and made a drink. I love it. Um, so yeah, for, for me, I, I've always struggled with the concept of a character that gets this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to, to live in this fantastical moment or reality or, or, or have these amazing powers. And, and his, their immediate reaction is like, oh no, like I, I've been burdened with this ultimate power. Um, and, and, you know, rejects it initially, like these characters that, that um, you know, I didn't ask for this, that I, 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 I always have, have never understood that concept. I've always more gravitated towards the characters that, um, stood up and were just like, nah, like this embraced is, it. Yeah, yeah. And it just accepted it as a part and of their reality. So well, for me real quick, I mean, that's a first point of, uh, that I wanted to talk about. Sorry to interrupt you as sure. I always do, but, um, Joseph Campbell's, uh, hero of a thousand faces is the basis of a lot of hero storytelling, right? It's this idea of a character, um, who is faced with adversity and turns it into a force for good, right? Like that's the idea. That's what Star Wars is based on. It's what Harry Potter is based on. It's what Batman and Superman, they're both based on. It's this idea of someone being confronted with a new reality and having to adjust to that, right? And one of the main things that I've always stuck on with that is that idea of that res uh, hesitance or reticence to... Um, to embrace that mantle. I mean, you look at Luke Skywalker and he wants to be a part of the rebellion, right? And, but once he finds that he is, you know, the son of this great Jedi and he has a bigger part to play in all of it, he's kind of like, uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is what I wanted. I, I wanted to be a part of it, but I didn't want to be the main part, you know? And that's same with Harry Potter. He's like, I, I feel like there's something more for me out there, but yeah, but I don't. I don't know if I really wanted all of this on top of me. You know what I mean? I knew I wanted to be something else, but I didn't realize it was going to be this. You know, and I do think that that hesitance is a major part of it. But I, I get what you're saying. I understand the concept of of the burden of the responsibility catching up to people, like like Spider Man or something, where where they you know get thrust in this realm, and Spider Man with his you know uh, uh, fantastic motto of of uh, great power, great responsibility. Um, right. You know, it's not like Spider-Man ever ran away from him. I guess he does a couple times, but but typically the origin story is him stepping into that mantle and saying like, yes, this responsibility is heavy, but I'm not going to run away from it. Um, right. Well, then that's another part of the Hero of the Thousand Faces is that he has that guiding light. He has that elder who gives him a purpose, right? He has Uncle Ben. Uh, Luke has Obi-Wan. Now, the first uh, person that came to mind when you asked me about origin stories when I was working today was Silver Surfer. Um, okay. The, the so concept for those who don't know, explain Silver Surfer's so, origin story, abridged version, because you can go a little long okay. sometimes. But so the year yeah, was okay. 1994. I was <laughs> um, wait, you're the Silver Surfer in this story? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so no, so like the concept of the Galactus is there's this this giant uh, entropic force that uh, survives off of uh, the energy that other planets give. And uh, so it goes around devouring planets and Galactus at the beginning of his life was focused on uh, eating planets that were uninhabited. But as Galactus continued it labored into eternity, 
um, grew more and more hungry and, and found that uh, it liked the planets that uh, had living embodiments of populations sustained him longer. And so he started devouring planets that had stopped, stopped, uh, lost that morality and, and st stopped uh, caring. And so he shows now, up real quick on that. Sorry, again, I'm going to just be interrupting sure. a lot because I've been drinking and uh, I, I, I'm more important than you are. So and Hit so it. is my uh, opinion. <laughs> Isn't Galactus's story because I actually came across Galactus's origin story while doing research for this episode. Isn't I think in the original Jack Kirby, like history of Galactus, he actually was trying to stop the big bang which for his race it was like a cataclysm that he saw coming yeah and nobody really listened to him and then he's like one of the sole survivors of his celestial race and once he woke up after the cataclysm that was the big bang that created the universe that we live in he found that the only thing that could sustain him uh in his size and his you know his species was to consume planets yeah. so it's almost actually a tragic history for galactus even. sure so going into that origin story, there's another part to it that is tragedy, right? Like it is a tragedy that creates it and they either become a villain or a hero off of that tragedy. Yeah, that's right? that's fair. I mean, I think Galactus had a compelling story as well. But with Silver Surfer, he is an alien right. named Norn Rad. He's got a wife or, or, or a, uh, a companion. I forget exactly what her name was, but um, uh, he... Living on a planet, Galactus shows up one day and, and they are aware of Galactus' existence and he's just getting ready to devour the planet. And he offers himself up as uh, what he calls or what Galactus calls a herald in which he goes out and finds planets for Galactus to devour um, and, and, and helps, essentially. And in return, Galactus only doesn't devour his planet. So he's, right. he's almost a scout for galactus he's going out and tar and like targeting these planets and being like marking them for galactus's devouring right and and he also starts off in the same concept where he starts targeting only unpopulated worlds before galactus starts demanding populated worlds uh, or silver surfer would would then be you know rejected and his world would be destroyed and so he has to start choosing planets and he's got this like heavy burden but it's all in the name of uh protecting um the people of his planet right and it's it's only until he comes across the fantastic four who remind him of his you know his quote-unquote humanity that he turns against his his you know his master and joins the forces of good because he's almost a villain when they when he's right. first in, introduced and right like he's an adversary of the fantastic yep. four so yeah so so he turns on galactus but the only way that he knows how to defeat galactus is by formulating a barrier uh of cosmic power around the earth and by doing that he has severed his connection from the outer space so he's keeping his cosmic powers but he can't go home so he's stuck on earth right. trying to figure out a way and obviously since then you know the yeah, surface surfer has gone he's... through a ton of renditions but uh, yeah always... and he's another one of those characters who's sort of martian manhunter-esque who is just like They've expanded that power that he has, that he was gifted by Galactus when he became the herald of the power cosmic, that now he's he's Superman. You know what I mean? Like he's such a powerful character that it's almost impossible to use him in any way other than if you have to stop an earth shattering or a planet shattering force. Which right? there are like you can't really of. use him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you can't really use him in just like a day to day 
like you uh, so you used to read the old silver age uh silver surfer stuff a lot i remember you had like one of the omnibuses yeah and you read i think all of it cover to cover at least once and i remember i never really liked those sort of ultra powerful figures in comics and so when you got when you gravitated towards silver surfer i was just i kind of just let you explain him to me because i was just like i'm never gonna read this this is not the kind of comics i'm into um and uh but I do remember, like, I mean, in that Silver Age, like, he kind of became a just sort of like a powerful superhero. He fought like bigger guys, but like it was sort of almost a street level situation. Not street level. It's not the term, but you know what I mean? Like, it's when they have Superman only fighting in Metropolis for some reason. Yeah. And it's like, this is a man who can get to Paris, France in the blink of an eye. Why is he? How is he having any trouble stopping a gunman in Metropolis? You know? Yeah. I mean, for me, um, for me, the 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 downside to the Silver Age comics is there was a heavy, heavy draw to make the characters relatable to the average human, and so each character had to have stupid human aliases. Thor was a fucking doctor. Donald uh, Blake. And and Norn Norn Rad had a, a human alias as well um, that he tried to maintain. Yeah, John Jones. Um, right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember what it was. But. For those who don't know, that's Martian Manhunter. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but silver so you think you would put silver surfer like high on the top of your list what is yeah, it I, about that origin story that you gravitate towards the 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 sacrifice to, to yeah. living a life where he's just like yeah like i wish someone else would step up but i'll fucking do it like yeah this this needs to happen which um, is where that reticence comes in right it's that idea of sacrifice it's that requirement of a sacrifice in becoming the hero right like yeah. you you have to give up something to become what you were meant to be right you have to let the past die kill it if you have to <laughs> sorry sorry um i think that's a stupid fucking line from the last jedi but i use it a lot um yeah i do i mean i think that you that that you're touching on something with that like that's that's true in all of these origin stories right and and a lot of the marvel ones kind of follow that similar path mostly because they were all written by stan lee um but there 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 is like that that sense of i'm faced with tragedy i'm faced with adversity do i embrace it and become something more or do i do i reject it or do I embrace it and use it to my own gain, which is the 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 the, the villain uh, archetype, right? Um, I you know I think the Silver Surfer origin has all of it, right? It has the tragedy, it has the self sacrifice, it has them embracing something that is, you know, they have a reticence to fight Galactus because it means it means further strife for them and maybe maybe his family members, you know, it has that all of the things right definitely um so i'm gonna go on one that i think um kind of shies away from a lot of those uh and i'm gonna go with uh anakin skywalker's origin here on my on one of mine because we get to see i think it's really great like i think that the it's one of the reasons that i, I stand by the prequel trilogy is because darth vader is such a enigmatic figure in the, the the original trilogy right it's it, he's like this mystery for the first two-thirds you know we only find out who he is at the end of the second um but he's just this dark figure who is just an unstoppable force 
and then at through the whole third movie we or sixth movie in return of the jedi we get to kind of understand that it's luke's father that he betrayed the jedi to some extent and and then luke has to stop has to kill his father right um but in the prequel trilogy we get to see that anakin had his own tragedies and his own adversities you know he he grew up as a slave he was told that he couldn't be what he, everyone uh, what other people were telling him what he was meant to be and he had this like internal conflict of being in a being a adolescent who was trained in this very strict religious order but he'd had that period of time where he was just a kid who's like all grew up to be 10 years old with his mom as a slave and knows that his mom is still on that planet as a slave while he's out here experiencing experiencing these galactic adventures and then in the third of the prequels we see or the second we see his mom die at the end and then in the third one we see the Jedi rebuffing him further and we see someone kind of in a reverse reversal of the hero of a thousand faces. We see it, an elder guiding light for him, but pointing him in the wrong direction and sort of corrupting that idea of what makes a hero or what, you know, that, you know, so he embraces his power. He, he, he's reticent to do it because he knows that it's maybe not the right way to do things because that's what he's been told. But then when he's, everything he's been told is sort of built on its own set of lies, right? Like the Jedi order is almost, is one of the most fallible like things in cinematic history. You know what I mean? Like everything that they say can be contradicted by just human nature, you know? And I think that Anakin like his origin story, I, I love that we get his origin story spread out over three movies in the way that we do because it's almost a dark mirror to Luke's origin story in the other three, you know, in the pre or in the sequel trilogy. It's the original trilogy, really. The sequel trilogy is Ray, which I'm not even going to get into that one because they fucked that up. But Anakin is kind of a dark mirror to his his son's origin story you know what i mean because if you look at luke it's almost a one-to-one -one. he was too old to be trained um the people who were meant to train him or needed to train him didn't want to because they thought he couldn't do it you know and um if it wasn't for that guiding principle that led them through it they would have been lost forever potentially right um i don't know i just I, and i think that you know revenge of the sith stands as one of the i say best sci-fi fantasy movies of all time i i know a lot of people don't like the prequel or the yeah the prequels in the way that i do but i genuinely think like it's too long but there's so much to to be redeemed in it i just think any movie i saw your face but jeff made a face of uh consternation when i said that it, any movie over two and a half hours is way too long dude it's so crazy i say that being someone who watches the extended editions of lord of the rings once a year but i i do think that it's too long but what we get over that move over that like that movie had it come out with no explain like nothing from the like no prequels no original trilogy nothing I think that that movie would have changed the world on its own because I think it told a story of, of the golden boy, the hero falling from it's the, it's the story of Satan Lucifer being cast out of heaven, right? Like it's, it's, it, 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 I don't know. I just think it's really good. And I think that Anakin like that, I think that Darth Vader stands as one of the great 
villains in history still to this day, even though those prequel movies don't, you know, aren't the best movies in the world because of the strength of that, that origin story. I think that that, that still holds true. You know what I mean? Like you don't lose anything from Darth Vader by knowing the origins of him. Yeah. Right. Who do you, who do you got next? Well, I wanted to touch on, on, uh, Star Wars. I've always felt like I, I love those films. I, I, I would easily say that uh, Revenge of the Sith is one of my top films of all time. Uh, probably top three. And uh, We did a top three and it wasn't in your top three. <laughs> definitely, definitely top three. Anyway, um, <laughs> so with that, uh, I definitely think that uh, my, my one complaint about the film is that the, the leap from I want to save my wife to I'll murder all these children is just too great for me. It's It's like I just can't draw the line and for me it always would have made more sense is that if anakin and everyone had their duel first and anakin gets saved and then goes back and slaughters all of the younglings because he's you know fully committed to this life i just don't understand or his rage has taken hold i actually exactly. think that, that format would have been pretty good actually you know like obi-wan is off do like maybe you have but within the structure of the film because that that final duel is so is such a major component of that film sure you know what i mean like all of the emotional lead up just builds to that and you know it's it's like 30 minutes long it's such a long fight it's and goddamn the choreography i think i talked about this before but the choreography in that is so incredible like by the end of the fight they're barely able to complete swings because they're so tired uh it's so good the fact that that you have that choreography stitch side by side with the bullshit of Yoda and Dicidius. Like it's it's like is this throwing <laughs> throne throwing floating thrones at each other. How, yeah, how did one man decide that both of these things would happen? Like you think one the guy that was making the awesome decisions well, on one side would also be making awesome decisions on the other side. I mean you think of the idea that he had is it's Yoda, this character who again they've built up like his storyline through the prequels and kind of like expanded that character into the powerful Jedi that he is fighting the emperor who we've seen is more powerful than luke or darth vader you know what i mean and only loses on a technicality like you get to see these two ultra powerful beings fight each other like that idea is good the execution is is just really lame and also uh having ian mcdermott i think the actor's name is uh like as the the emperor really hinders them because all of the fight scenes with him look so fucking dumb because he's this old man swinging around a laser sword and it looks bad. So and the scenes where they have him doing acrobatic flips, it's clearly a man with a way bigger hood on covering his face. But I do agree that if it was a book having Obi-Wan and Anakin fight like three quarters of the way yeah. through having and then Anakin Obi-Wan gets called away to save somebody on a rest daring rescue. And then Anakin is angry and he's just tearing apart Je- yeah. the Jedi having, temple. Having Anakin kill Mace Windu should be all the motivation that Obi-Wan needs to turn around and confront him. And then it would actually be about Obi-Wan having to, to stand up and, and honor the ideals of being a Jedi in all of its fallacies and turning on Anakin and Anakin suddenly feels betrayed. Cause all he's trying to do is save. Okay. I'm in my point. Next character. Um, I do. I, I agree with you. I just, I don't know how they would have made it work. Sure. Cinematically, in the, in the it would feel like it peaks like, right in the middle and then, and then dies off. 
Right. And I feel like I, it would be sort of like the Lord of the Rings where, the, you know, you get to that Frodo, or Sam's push Frodo and Gollum into the fire. And then there's another hour left and you're like, all right, I, I don't. Aragorn doesn't need to be singing right now. I'm, I don't need this. Right. Um, so uh, but yeah, who do you got next? So I, I know that Brian's going to listen to this episode and I, I know that the first character that he would say, we'll see if he agrees with me when he gets on the podcast. Um Greek, mytho- Greek mythology, Hercules. Uh, you this got- is a best, right? You yeah. think it's a, a, a best origin? Yeah. I- okay, so it's uh, Zeus's kid uh, who gets uh, cast out of heaven because Hades and the Titans attack Olympus. And uh, he's raised by a farmer. And then uh, he, he goes to pray at a statue and then finds out that Zeus is his dad just laughing I'm hoping that the listener at home gets that I'm I'm doing the uh, Disney animated Hercules not the actual Greek myth uh, Jeff what is the Greek myth origin of Hercules sure so old man way daddy, darker <laughs> spoilers old, way darker old man daddy Zeus the horn dog he uh, has sex with a woman on earth she has a kid he's born with uh, as a demigod with superhuman strength and he struggles his whole life with this uh, burden of having super strength, but he constantly tries to yearn for this, uh, uh, I don't know, better life. Um, like he ends up in his rage as a teenager, killing like a music teacher um, and, and going out and striking an adventure. He ends up finding love and uh, Hera, uh, Zeus's uh, wife. who Long suffering wife, yeah. And, and the god of wives, I never understood this correlation, but super jealous, uh, decides that the best thing to do here is to uh, give Hades, or give Hades, Hercules, a cloak of rage, essentially, and he puts it on and he goes blind with rage and murders his wife and children. Um, and when he finally comes to, he's sitting there in this blood-soaked room and ends up becoming judged by the gods for this heinous act to which he doesn't remember doing and is sent on a quest to go out and complete 13 impossible labors uh, in order to redeem himself. And it's this epic uh, quest to go out and a story of redemption. And it's all, it, it really reinforces the concept of the Greek gods being absolute assholes at all times. Um, but at the yeah. same time, the, the concept that even their children don't don't escape judgment. And it's this this guy that's the ultimate, ultimate tragedy in my mind. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's also it's a parable, right? It's a parable but about anger management. Um, it's a parable about um, uh, find like, you know, through the through the 12 labors, I think it is right. He he um, he finds himself and kind of is able to forgive himself um i'm reminded of that uh that horrible horrible tv show that i was obsessed with as a kid um with uh oh man i can't remember that actor's name he's super religious uh i think he even came out and voted like was uh, openly for trump um but uh i loved that show as a kid anyone who who knows what i'm talking about it's called kevin sorbo? i think it's just called kevin sorbo that's right um at any rate, I loved that show as a kid, but you know, it is about like, you know, finding yourself in the work and 
and and and becoming better or or redeeming yourself just like you said it's a tale of redemption you know he made this he he committed this unforgivable sin um and uh it's his way back right like doing these 12 labors is his way back it shows that there is a path to redemption for those who've made mistakes um i mean i don't know if i could forgive somebody for killing their wife and kids just because they killed a lion um real quick tangent uh i took my wife on a a date to the portland art museum last weekend and one of the things that they had on display there was um some or i guess a couple of the things but they had uh these old ancient greek urns um with paintings of hercules and the 12 labors on them that was really cool to see uh they had the his fight against the nemean lion and then the next one in the series um they had him uh wearing the lion hood um fighting uh, i don't remember a, a serpent of some sort um but yeah it was you know that is a great i mean i don't know if i love the origin story as much as i would just love the tale of hercules but the origin story is pretty fucked up <laughs> um but yeah i mean it also i mean that that kind of spits right in the face of that idea of um reticence right like it's not about like it is tragedy and finding yourself through adversity but he doesn't really have like he's not he's not unwilling to take it on you know what i mean like he knows that that's what's required of him right a very Greek um, way of thinking where it's like well this is what the gods wanted from me like fuck yeah i want to talk about um more of an origin story movie um for a, for a well-established character kind of changing it uh, a little bit casino royale uh, i already said this is probably my favorite movie of all time um James Bond is a big uh, part of my life. Like, I really love James Bond movies. I think that when they were going to do reboot um, James Bond with Daniel Craig um, after Pierce Brosnan, I was really against it. I thought it was really dumb and I didn't really want it. Uh, I really liked Pierce Brosnan for some reason. Now, looking back, those movies are absolutely terrible. Um, but I loved them when I was a kid. And I really didn't want it. And uh, when I went and saw it, my mind was blown by it. And I think it's more less about the origin story and more about the idea that you can you can portray a character in a new way by rebooting and giving them sort of a a new starting point. You know, Pierce Brosnan wasn't given the like you know a starting point. He stepped in after Timothy Dalton and just like was just the character in the middle of his career. You know what I mean? And in this way, they shut, they went back to the beginning of James Bond and basically introduced a, almost an entirely new character. You know, we like he, the Daniel Craig version of Bond is so far removed from the original bonds. Like it's, it's, it's almost a joke. Like I've gone through and rewatched a bunch of the Roger Moore and, uh, uh, fucking homeboy who's dead. Uh, Sean Connery. <laughs> Sean Connery, thank you. Um the Sean Connery James Bond movies with my wife who had never seen them and it's it's crazy how different they are. You know, like they are not the same character. And I think that you know that's another thing about an origin story is that it can just give you a different sense of something that you thought you already knew. You know? Um I think that that you know it, it's less about the like i guess this is less about the origin of the character because i don't really care how james bond came about you know he's just a soldier who um 
you know, if you really want to get to the root of James Bond, he's like a soldier whose parents died when he was young and he went into like a foster care and apparently his brother was, <laughs> was a psychopath who killed his own parents out of jealousy uh, to get back at James Bond. I don't really know. That part gets silly. But this idea of taking a character when he's young and showing him becoming the person that we're aware of or a version of that character, I think that that's, that's something that is you know, that's, that's something that can only really happen in movies, you know, that being said, I don't think it always works. I think that the Joker movie by Todd Phillips is trash. I haven't seen Cruella yet. Um, but also I don't, I don't, I, I've heard it's good and I like Emma Stone, so I'll probably watch it eventually, but I just, I have no interest in that. Like, I don't care about a reinvention of that character or the Joker. Like, I don't want a fucking origin of the Joker. The Joker is the dumbest character in Batman's rogue gallery. I think he doesn't make any sense. He's just, he's just a, a agent. He's a spirit of chaos, I guess. I don't really get the it's Joker. Like, yeah. He doesn't have any motivation. That's the part that I struggle with the Joker is what is the character's motivation? You know, I don't, I don't fucking get it. I don't, I don't like Heath Ledger does it like Heath Ledger's version of the Joker stands on its own because it's, it's a, it's a representation of the distillation of what the character is is at its core right it's so my him best. saying i'm chaos but what, i'm, I'm gonna, sorry I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna interrupt you but... i'm gonna interrupt you all right fuck it and uh my favorite interpretation of the origin story of the joker is uh batman arkham origins because in batman arkham origins we don't get an origin from him in that he just shows up and starts trying to kill batman That's yeah he is. it's like sure so he's just this guy who's like fucking nuts but there's a point like halfway through the game or towards the climax of the game where he's like taken over. He's revealed that he's the Joker. It's this big turning point in the game. Cause they said Joker wasn't going to be in the game. Sure. And then they revealed him in the final trailer. Um, and in it, um, the Joker is crazy. Batman, he gets knocked off of a rooftop from an explosion from Bane and he's laughing on the way down and Batman dives off after him and catches him and shoots a grappling hook and saves him. And Joker's like a cutscene of him sitting there like, why would this guy save me? <laughs> like he just immediately right there, boom, like obsessed. And that's what I consider the starting point of the relationship, the origin of Batman and the Joker, where Joker's like, oh, I'm going to fuck with this guy. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Joker's whole thing is that he's the baddest man in town. Right. And like his obsession with Batman is that he's like, well, he's supposed to be the the stopping agent. Like he's supposed to be my my mirror opposite but why won't like i wouldn't hesitate to kill him why does he hesitate to kill me i don't understand and that drives him even further it fuels his chaos engine yeah. right it's just stupid sorry so, i don't get me wrong the joker is fine like he's a staple of batman lore but yeah. i just i just i struggle with the character on to so many ends so i'm gonna um, throw i'm gonna throw a curveball at tyler because there's a character that I have I have always claimed to have disliked. Well, not always. I can think of a couple instances where I like this character. But I know that's one of Tyler's personal favorites. But I do think that he has a solid origin story. Wolverine. Wolverine. Oh. Uh, I was trying to think of characters you don't like. And I was like, oh, there's only really one that I can think of. <laughs> um, what is Wolverine's origin story? Uh, I mean, he was... Uh, born with his mutant abilities in like the 1700s and in the Canadian frontier and is immortal. And he has the ability to generate bone claws and ends up just this kind of miserable, uh, immortal existence where he just constantly finds 
turmoil and strife and tragedy and misery before finding a home with first Alpha Strike and then uh, Alpha Flight and then the X-Men. Right. So his origin is that he's just he's he's basically built to fight. He's just like and he doesn't necessarily want to, but it's just it's literally like his like his whole being is created around it. He has that like rage. He has these this crazy anger problem. He has this hunting ability of like it heightened senses. Um, he's got the bone claws. I mean, he's almost 50 percent animal, 50 percent human. Right. Like he's a beast um, and he he recovers from injury very quickly um and then so he becomes this eternal soldier whose whole life is built around violence and then gets tested on by the military turning him even to more of a killing machine and then his memories are taken from him and he has to all he knows about himself is that he's this unstoppable force you know and all he has are people all these connections from a past that he doesn't remember telling him how fucking phenomenal of a massacre and how he's the world's greatest assassin and killer and he's just like what the fuck is wrong with me is at what he does and what he does is not very nice yeah he's it, it it is a solid origin i mean and like the way that they've been able like one of the things about comic books that i do love specifically about the heroes that have mainstays is that they can keep adding to their origin and to or like early years and it expands the character even more like that's what i like about batman is you give us the early days of batman and it kind of shows him fucking up or having trouble right you give us the early days of wolverine and they introduce you to the weapon x program in the 80s or the early 90s you know what i mean um i don't necessarily love the x-men origins wolverine comic book line that the movie is based on but you know introducing him as this character who had bone claws before they grafted the metal onto him um those kinds of things it's like it's an interesting uh you know addition to the character's lore that i think is really cool in a way that you don't get to see with a lot of characters um you know taking superman for example every time they add to his early life it just is dumb you know what i mean they give him a cousin who shows up as a teenager because she's been lost in space longer than he was or something like that. And it's like, what, what? Like, I, I don't give a fuck about this. What is this? Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think that Wolverine is a, a an excellent origin story, right? It's also, I don't know if it speaks to that, um, reticence to fight or that reluctance to embrace that, that he also doesn't path, accept but... he doesn't accept the power it's an interesting point in wolverine it's, he doesn't get to choose it's part of the whole mutant condition he doesn't get to choose the way that he is it's not like yeah. at any point where he has to go back and be like i asked for this he's just like Fuck, this is what i am dude i never wanted to be a fighter it's literally his core root of being is that he's a violent killing machine he's he's a wolverine you know like he is just this like angry aggressive violent beast yeah i think it's really yeah he is good to to carry on from x-men i thought maybe this you would you would have hit this earlier but i think one of the greatest origin stories in x-men one that i think i would be interested to see how they marvel is going to adapt this given the timeline but it's magneto Right. As they introduce X-Men into the universe, I I don't know if they 
can use Magneto ever again because we're way too far from the Holocaust to have him tied into that unless you introduce some sort of time travel into his life story because the Holocaust, no one's alive that like experienced the Holocaust anymore. I think there are a few, but they're in their late nineties, early hundreds, you know, like they're old as shit. I mean, I don't know that time they're, they're old either way. They're in their late eighties at the, at the youngest, you know, and it's just, but that character, for those who don't know, he's a boy in, in, who's a Jewish boy in Germany during the, the Holocaust. And that's where his powers are, are first exhibited through the stress of the Holocaust. And, um, you know, if you've seen any of the X-Men movies, you're very aware, well aware. It's almost exactly how it's portrayed in the comics. It's a, it's a level of stress that's induced through the Holocaust. He discovers he has powers. He kills a bunch of Nazis. And then he's a, he, you know, he doesn't trust the world of men anymore because, of the horrors he's, that he's, he's seen, seen. Him at the and worst it, yeah it explains everything you need to know about that character he lived through the worst thing that's ever happened in the world yeah like it's i mean maybe you know it's up there for most horrible things but i think nobody can really argue that the holocaust was objectively one of the ho most horrible things you could have lived through as a jewish person in one of those con concentration camps and like that it tells you everything you need to know about like you understand like you can sympathize through the character no matter how evil he is because it's like yeah he lived through some shit of course he's fucked up of yeah. course he, like he doesn't trust humanity and like has these issues like i would yeah anybody who lived through that and then was give like you know came out or developed the powers that he was exhibited would use those powers for vengeance you know what i mean and yeah. would you give him godlike powers like magneto has where do you stop once you once you've enacted your your vengeance you keep going because you view yourself as a god at that point you know definitely no yeah i mean he uh he's easily one of the most sympathetic villains that i, I can think of as far as this concept of like yeah no this guy is uh justified in his actions he won't forgive and he won't forget and i don't know if i want him to uh, uh he should be angry he deserves to be angry yeah yeah, I don't know how they're gonna. Like, I was thinking about this the other day. I just, I don't know how they're gonna do it with Marvel because I'd be okay if they Magneto, didn't. like, it's yeah, it's, I, I, I would be okay if they didn't too. But it's kind of tough. I mean, you see it when they killed Wolverine off, like what, like almost ten years ago now, in Marvel, and then they brought him back within like three years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they're like, ah, these X Men comics aren't selling that good, actually. <laughs> um. I don't know how they're going to like Mag Magneto is such a staple in X-Men mythos mythos. I don't know why I said it like it was Mithril, but um, I just, I don't know how you do X-Men without him. You know, I just, I I can barely think of a way to do it. I, I can't think of a way to do it actually. And that's more honest. Um, I don't know, but I don't have much more to say because I just, I, you know, just go read X-Men comics. I'll explain yeah. it to you. Um, Who do you got next? Uh, so the other one that I was interested in, kind of touching back on that first theme, um, I was trying to think of out of the box, but um, Doctor Strange is another character that is one of those characters that stepped up and was like, give me that power. Um, one of those characters that, that kind of assumed a greater role that I, I kind of gravitated towards. 
Yeah, but he had that reluctance, right? I mean, in the movies more so, but like he didn't want to be the Sorcerer Supreme. He just wanted to fix himself so that right. he could go so satisfy his own selfish ends and then embrace that he was meant to, you know, he had this destiny, right? That was yeah. supposed to be more powerful. Um, I haven't read a lot of the early Doctor Strange origin comics. I've read a lot of Doctor Strange, some, you know, in the middle of his career once he's established. Um, but... I uh, I do think that he has that reluctance, but he does step up pretty quickly because he's arrogant. I think that that arrogance is a big part of his character, um, you know, and he's intelligent and he didn't really have a choice. Right. Because it was just kind of thrust on him. Um, but yeah, for the for those who haven't seen the Marvel movie, I don't know what you're doing listening to this podcast, but it's basically the same thing. Uh, Doctor Strange is a brilliant surgeon. Um, he. uh his hands are damaged. Uh, I don't remember if it was a car accident in the original comics, but um, his hands are damaged and he's searching, searching for a way to repair them. And he uh, stumbles across basically a cult of magicians living in the Tibetan mountains, is trained in their ancient mystical arts by the ancient one. The ancient one dies and before the ancient one dies, he bestows the 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 mantle of the Sorcerer Supreme upon Stephen Strange and he becomes the sorcerer supreme for the marvel universe um battling multi-dimensional demons and you know whatever it's it's not quite the same way uh that it is in the comics but uh, or in the movie in the comics but um it is similar um but yeah strange is a good one i do like in the comics what they do with steve dr strange is they just instantly take him away from like anything resembling like earth-based heroes you know what i mean like dr strange is never fighting just like Crime. stilt man like daredevil you know yeah. what i mean like he's not fighting a bank robber he's only fighting like other wizards extra-dimensional demons crazy aliens cra just the craziest stuff it comes from dr strange you know what i mean like yeah it's in the height of when every comic book writer in new york was doing so much acid <laughs> it's crazy the colors are insane in those early dr strange comics they look like Jimi hendrix posters you see at spencer's gifts it's crazy um but yeah he does have a really solid origin story um yeah i mean yeah yeah he's just he's magic iron man really though a lot of those marvel heroes do kind of become sort of uh similar once you start to compare them Definitely. um I did want to quickly we're, we're 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 actually coming up on time i felt i felt like we were going to get through more i'm actually kind of glad brian wasn't here because I, I had a couple more written down here um one of the ones that was another movie one i wanted to touch on real quick was rise of the planet of the apes um i read the planet of the apes novels when i was a kid i really loved them um the version that when i first heard that they were doing a prequel to the planet of the apes i was like that's fucking stupid i don't want that um but what they gave us was actually really cool. And I love that trilogy of the Planet of the Apes films, uh, the rise of the dawn of and the war for. Um, I think that they're really great. And I think that they gave us a version of the Planet of the Apes that we can actually like relate to now. You know what I mean? Like going back and if they had gone and I mean, well, we saw what, what Tim Burton did with Mark Marky Mark and gave us that, you know, really dumb 2006 Planet of the Apes movie. Oh, yeah or 2003 even um that brian loves actually not even throwing him under the bus like brian actually genuinely likes that movie a lot um 
and it's fine i i like it i think it has its own merits but it's not a good movie um but like i'm glad they didn't go back to that well and do that story again i think that that those old charleston heston's uh, charlton heston movies stand on their own and are really good and i don't think we needed to see that i think that expanding on this new version of what created the apes was a better way to tell that story and i think it worked really well um did you have any bad one? Oh, sorry go ahead no go ahead i i think a, a gen- switch to bad uh origins is a great way to end this okay cool i'm gonna just kind of rattle through uh i got three that oh, i've got one that's kind of good but also just like really fucked up for where where it exists i'm gonna start with that one um it's a good transition piece cubone from pokemon has like a uniquely fucked up origin story he's like a baby whose mom died and now he wears the skull of his of his mom on as a helmet and he uses her femur as a weapon (laughs) it's just like i remember being a kid and just being like that's really dark that's not great walking walking up to a cuba yo yo what are you doing in that potty yo whoa geez that that like also like tells us that it just sat next to its mom's corpse while it rotted to just bone oh god that's so dark no wonder it's an angry pokemon um another dark origin that i think a lot of people don't know about i didn't know about until researching for this episode um jeff actually mentioned in an earlier episode mario's not the hero in in or mario isn't the main character in his first uh game appearance he's he's the he's sort of the protagonist he's the playable character but apparently the uh licensed uh like merchandise that came out with it explained that donkey kong was mario's pet that mario treated poorly so donkey kong kidnapped pauline which is his girlfriend in the in that first game it's not princess peach it's a girl named pauline from mario and mario was trying to get pauline back and defeat the ape and he actually at the end of that game apparently cap recaptures donkey kong after saving pauline and the sequel is called donkey kong jr where donkey kong's son is trying to save his dad from abusive mario <laughs> so mario our cute little mustachioed protagonist plumber Face is actually Nintendo. an animal beater <laughs> that's fucked up that's the that's so fucked up nintendo made us root for this man and he's actually redemption redemption all right if hercules can come back from murdering his wife as child mario can come back from beating this pet monkey jesus christ yeah okay i got one i've got a friend who's who's rewatching uh is is watching for the first time dragon ball uh dragon ball z specifically and Mm -hmm. i have to say start with dragon ball having watched all of dragon ball uh, he started with Dragon Ball Z, but but having watched all of Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, Dragon Ball Super, Goku <laughs> is is the most unoriginal story. It starts off with a loose retelling of the story of the Journey to the West, um, uh, about the the half monkey mm-hmm. person that that goes off and collects. Uh, the the is name for is wishes. literally Monkey. Yeah. Uh, and is, is looking for wishes or something like that. Loose retelling of that story, and then that gets boring, so they switch to Dragon Ball Z, where they decide to do a retelling of Superman, take a complete pivot, and talk about uh, Sans and do a story, a Superman origin story instead. It's just like, okay, what what else are you going to just clearly plagiarize yeah. as you go? Like, don't get me wrong. Frieza, I, have, I mean, even 
Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, having, I, I'm not saying Dragon Ball Z is a bad show. Again, I've watched all of it. I fucking love it. But <laughs> the creator was clearly just like, what is pre-established that I could just get the ball rolling here? Yeah, I mean, Frieza is even sort of a, a Brainiac type character. You know what I mean? He's not quite the robot. Oh, totally destroyed his previous civilization. But, Absolutely. Right. And he's coming to wipe out the last Saiyan now on Earth. And now the last Saiyan has to stop him from doing it. Yeah, I was just like, yeah. As, as you get older, you're kind of like, oh, I wouldn't, I, now I know why I liked that. It was just an anime version of that comic book that's super <laughs> well known. That being said, Vegeta, awesome origin story. Yeah, great. Yeah, he's uh, he's sort of a Zod who turns good um yeah he's great i mean i mean if you if you think about that initial saiyan saga um he is general zod and and honestly if you look at man of steel the way that those fight scenes play out they feel like a dragon ball z fight scene so just saying uh zack snyder just jump on a dragon ball z movie i'll fucking watch it dude (laughs) that would be sick i would love it oh my god i'm I'm glad that he's not his visual style doing a dragon ball z movie would be fucking awesome dude please please do not continue your snyderverse justice league films no one wants that we want a dragon ball z film you do great snyderverse dragon ball z he does he does phenomenal with interpretations of of visual media he does not do great that with already is established yeah give him media. something established that he can put his own visual flair Absolutely. on and he will fucking crush it give him dragon ball z <laughs> give him dragon ball with an all asian cast put it in fucking japanese all f- i don't give a shit i'll watch subtitles for all of that i don't care that would be amazing i'm dude hashtag Give Zach Dragon Balls. I'm saying it. Let, <laughs> let's get this started. Listeners, let's do this. Dragon Dragon Balls with a Z or a Z if you're in, in, in the UK or Australia. We'll call it um, we'll call it hashtag give Zach the balls with a Z. Give <laughs> give Zach the balls. Yeah. That yeah, we're starting that. Um Yeah. So I just wanted to wrap up. I got one more. I don't know if you got another one. No, no, but, hit me. Uh the Tin Man from the Wizard of Oz. Do you, do you know what his origin story is from the books? I think you talked about reading the book at one point in life. I mean, I, I don't recall it going into depth about what his he was created by a creator uh, that not oiled and he got stuck there. Incorrect. Apparently, he was just so in the book. Apparently, he's called the Tin Woodsman, and he was going to marry one of the Munchkins, but. The mother of the munchkin didn't want him to marry her daughter, so she contacted one of the witches, and the wit that witch put a curse on him where he would chop his own limbs off if he wielded an axe. And so he just he cut off his arm and then went and had that arm repaired with replaced with a robe like a tin arm. And then he cut off his other arm, had that replaced, cut off his legs, had that replaced, so on and so forth until he was entirely tin tin man and he didn't have a heart anymore so he couldn't love the munchkin that he was supposed to love and that's why he was on the crusade for the heart what what a fucked up story (laughs) like that's what the book should have been about that's insane that's so much that's so crazy to just throw that into a children's book from the 1910s or whenever that book was originally written yeah that's so crazy um and i think it's bad i think it's a bad origin um there's some other ones uh out there there's the wizard um from 
Marvel Comics who was bitten by a cobra and his scientist dad gave him a transfusion of uh, mongoose venom to counteract the cobra venoms and it gave his son super speed somehow even though cobras are faster than mongooses mongoosei mongooses anyway i don't really get like there's some really dumb origin stories hit us with your favorite uh at clever kids podcast on gmail and at clever kids pod on instagram just send me a direct message i'll read it out on the podcast evan i know you're listening hit us with your favorite anime uh, origin story that's dumb or the best one but preferably the dumb ones um anyone else out there who's listening i'd love to hear it because i, I want to come back and do another one of these there's some really really st- i'm doing research for this i wanted to hit some of the more recognizable ones and get those out of the way but there's some crazy stupid origin stories in the world of pop culture um let's move over into recommendations you got anything uh no i've been uh pretty out of it. well so i did <laughs> i did start watching i don't like junk television um the only time that i've ever watched junk television brian and i used to uh watch maury and it's yeah the, the, the brian... highest the highlight of that was watching Brian lose his mind because Brian fucking loves junk television. Brian loves Maury, or <laughs> and, used to love Maury when we were growing up. He you might think, just, <laughs> you might think that we're time. like making fun of Brian here, nope, but we're he <laughs> so it. genuine. No Brian value judgment, dude. It's television. popular for a reason, but man, he loves watching shitty people be shitty on TV. <laughs> and and uh, I, I've been, I saw a trailer for a Netflix show a couple months back called Sexy Beasts about attractive mm. people that have had bad dating experiences. So, and so you they've... showed this to me and I showed my wife the other day because we were scrolling through Netflix and she's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and we watched someone made a super cut of them just being hella thirsty, like, yep. like saying like crazy sexual stuff. And holy shit. It seems like they were just like, let's get the biggest assholes like, nerds on the fucking the planet. People who have clearly never had sex in their entire life. Let's get them on here, dress them up as an animal, and then just point them in a direction of the opposite sex. Let's see how that works out. <laughs> Are you liking it? It's uh, so I I've watched the first three episodes, and uh, yeah, it's I, I again I'm not huge into junk television, but I do fucking just love watching these people just be in full prosthetic makeup. Like the episode I left off on was uh, it was the first time that there wasn't really a spark connection where the girls like super. Um, uh, I don't know, like uh, uh, eager for uh, like a, a deep committed relationship. And she's like, I want to get married. I want to get knocked up fucking tomorrow. And the guy's like, oh, oh, <laughs> he's sitting there in full Tin Man makeup after like what eight hours. He dressed as? He's, oh, he's like I a saw tin- the Tin Man one. And he's he like, he's, I- he's clearly not into it though. He's like, why the fuck am I sitting here in full Tin Man makeup with this crazy What was chin? she? She's what a panda. She? She's the panda. Okay. Yeah, so she was one of the ones that showed up a lot on that supercut because she said some crazy yeah. stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, that I might I might give that that one a shot because it it looks like the best of those like MTV dating shows yeah. from back in the day that were just so fucking and, dumb. And everyone in the and show like, is super hot. I oh are they? Yeah, underneath the makeup. Yeah, oh, that's that's good. Um, I was actually just, I didn't know that, but I did, I was genuinely impressed by some of the makeup. I was like, oh, yeah. wow, that is amazing how good that is. 
Yeah. Some and of it of, was like the one dress, like they had the dolphin mask or whatever. Yeah, the like, dolphin. Oh, bro, that sucks. Like, <laughs> that one's really bad. They had to have chosen it, man. One of the girls literally oh, sure. is a zombie, and I was like, "This looks fucking gross." You got like flesh hanging off your chin. I'm, <laughs> I'm so turned off. Like, how the fuck am I supposed to date you right now? That's funny. Um, I'm also gonna to recommend something from Trash Television, but I actually am absolutely loving it. Uh, I on a whim. Um, a couple weeks ago, my wife was doing, was out of town for work, which she is again. Um, but I started watching Supernatural um, on Netflix in, in America. All 15 seasons are on Netflix. 22 episode seasons, 15 seasons. It's so much hour long episodes, 45 minutes, you know, because commercials, but, or, you know, doesn't have commercials, but it did at one point. Um, it's i love it i'm like i don't think it's good i think it's actually bad but like the first couple like seasons the, were engaging i i watched you up to watched like episode, i watched up to season seven or something i fell off pretty hard okay. after that dude this okay well i'm afraid that that's what's gonna happen with me but i these first few seasons i'm we're just in the middle of season two right now and it's reminding me of early seasons of the X-Files. Like I'm loving the, like the just coming into a random town and having to fix some sort of supernatural situation. And there's not really a lot of like overarching plot. You know, you get like our dad's missing, but like they don't really seem to be looking that hard for him. And they, then they underutilize spoilers, but in season two, he dies in the first dad dies in the first episode <sighs> of season two. Dad is played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yep who is, you know, one of the goats, in my opinion. I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan, so I was stoked to see him. Jensen Ackles is a big face in the nerd world. You know, he's 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 playing – he's Bruce Wayne in the, the Long Halloween animated movie that I haven't watched yet, parts one and part two. Um, he's Jason Todd in the Under the Red Hood oh. animated movies that Jeff and I uh, love. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be in uh, – the Boys season three as a Captain America pastiche called Soldier Boy. Um, you know, he, he's made his rounds in the nerd community and he's great. I get why people love him. I actually really am enjoying him as a character. Um, I less so like uh, Sam. I, I keep forgetting the actor's name, but uh, he that character, at least in these early seasons, is really whiny. He reminds me of like early early luke skywalker from like the first two uh star wars films it's just like so whiny and annoying it's just like dude just grow up and just accept that you don't go to stanford anymore um i, I will also, say couldn't they have chosen a more attainable college for him to go to they chose stanford like what a weird shorthand to express that he's smart stanford i mean we grew up in the bay area jeff you still live there stanford is like almost impossible to get into yeah. they reject so many people and he gets into stanford law school and then goes off to be a broke demon hunter i'd be like hey just give me two more years to finish law school and then i will just roll around town and help us not get arrested how about that maybe that is a, a way around it and maybe i won't be so whiny after that brother of mine Dean. yeah also, yeah. my wife has the hots for Dean, so, and I just found out that Jensen Ackles and I have the same birthday. Uh, I'm doxing myself there. That's easy, easy for you to find on the internet, so now everyone knows when my birthday is, but Send we have gifts. the same birthday. He's also 12 years older than me, so I, and I, I'm, I'm way hotter than him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say there's a couple points with, with Supernatural where you'll, you'll definitely tell like season finales that feels like they jumped the shark, and it's because they kept getting renewed. 
um they, they would continuously get renewed without really knowing it and it was like yeah. uh, uh, season uh, to season uh. yeah yeah so like they'll they'll do like some like the well, like, that's okay, what you're... they uh, that, that has to be what happened with season one and two where like they finally reunite the father and his sons. And then in episode one of season two, they just kill the dad. It was like the whole point was finding him in the first season. Now he's just gone. What the fuck? Yeah. What like what the fuck? He just reunited him. Why not kill him in the fi- in the finale of season I, one? I can remember a couple of different points where they totally jumped the shark in like seasons four, five, six. You got to watch it at least up to the point that I watched. Yeah, I know what they're. I know what's coming is that they're going to introduce a heaven and hell like war storyline. I I can just already see it because they have demons and they they keep being like angels aren't real. It's only demons, and I'm like, oh, yep. And then you find out the angels are real and that you're in the middle of a war. Okay, I get it. I get where you're going, and I'm just like, ah, oh, please just don't go. Like I'm enjoying like all the mythologies from all of the different world, like all the different areas of the world. That's what I'm really liking. They're like, there's a Tibetan demon that is conjured forth by people believing that a demon exists. Like that's fucking crazy. That's such a cool concept, you know. Like I'm really loving that. But once they introduce the Christ- the Christian myth in the West in our Western world, that's all they're gonna do for the rest of the series. I know it, and I don't like that's gonna make me lose interest so quickly. Um. But yeah, so it's a rec- it's de- these first like uh, again, I'm only in the middle of season 2 right now. Heavy recommend. It's not good, but if you love that kind of like freak of the week, cheesy special effects from 2005, 2006 like I do, like it's it's right up my alley. I love that shit. Um so I'm really enjoying that. Uh did you have anything else? I could jump nope. in on a couple more things. Nope, that was it um, for me. Season two of um, Snow Angels by uh, Jock and um, Jeff Lemire is on. Is so the first two uh, issues are out on Comicsology. That's really cool. Um, really liking the first two uh, issues of that. I'm really loving that series. I think there's a total of seven issues now. Really good. Another one that I'm reading is Hailstone. Um, I can't remember the. Uh, artist or the writer on that um but uh it's like a western uh fantasy western horror type story um really good uh that's another comicsology original and this is actually kind of leading me into what i was about to bring up and kind of segue us over into comic-con news is um comicsology is really making a play in the comics comic book world They've been kind of the go-to source for digital comics, which is really good for people like Jeff and I who have busy lives and can't always make it to the comic book store. Um, if you sign up for the membership, you get a bunch of like access to just so many comic books that you can just, like, I haven't paid for comic books in, in so long because I can just download full volumes of comics that are already out. And if I want to pay, I can just buy a volume, you know? It's it's a really good tool. I think it's putting comic books out of business, comic book stores out of business, which sucks. But comic book stores haven't been getting with the times, and they've been falling by the wayside, which also sucks. But Comicsology is at least giving us a platform for which this sort of sequential art storytelling can continue on, um, and uh, have an outlet. And uh, Scott Snyder, one of uh, my favorite writers has just announced today as we're recording this monday um that uh he has signed an eight book deal with comiXology where he's going to be putting out his next eight original series um on comiXology 
uh, one with Greg Capullo, one with Raphael Albuquerque, one with Jock. Like he, they're just they're Comicsology is really making a play for images creator owned world of comic books, and uh, I think it's a big deal. I think it's a really big deal, and I'm interested to, interested to see what they do with it. It does bum me out that Comixology is owned by Amazon. <laughs> and basically, anytime I buy a book or that monthly membership that Jeff's paying for that I'm living off of right now um, is going in, into Jeff Bezos' little... Jeffrey <laughs> yeah, Bezos. Yeah, he's, he's, his little uh, space tours that he seems to be going off on. Um, that's a bit of a bummer, but I do love what it is doing for the comic book space so it's kind of a bitter bittersweet uh thing there um and i'm excited to see what uh greg capullo and scott snyder come out with because uh i pick up every single book that they're on together because i loved the new 52 batman um one other thing i wanted to talk about real quick uh is i i finally bought uh breath of the wild because jeff got gave me his switch light and uh I've been playing through it and I love it. It's very fun. It's a lot like um, Horizon Zero Dawn, which I get the comparisons that people have been making. Sort of a cartoony version of that, but um, very fun. And uh, yeah, I mean, everybody who was going to play that game has played it. So I don't know who I'm recommending that to, but I'm just, I guess, telling the world, hey, I finally got to play it and it is cool. It's 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 a fantastic rebirth for the franchise as far as like an amazing entry into the story. There you go. Yeah. Another reboot that gives you sort of an origin story for those who haven't played Zelda um, or those who haven't played Zelda in a really long time, which is where I follow fall into. Um and yeah, I think, yeah, just like you said, it is a great reboot of a already established franchise that you kind of were like, where are they going to fucking go with this now? You know? Yeah. Um, other than that, Jeff, do you have any parting thoughts? Nope. Go watch uh, Green Knight so that we can uh, talk your ear off next week. Yep. Next week, Green Knight, um, Dev Patel, King Arthur, all of that. And, Ryan, uh, I hope your I hope your butthole is recovered enough for you to sit down and record with us next week. It's it's his rectum, Jeff. Don't be gross. Um, I, honestly, what part of your body is the rectum? That's like the inner of the butthole, right? <laughs> like the inner part of the butthole. It's like the sleeve. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the, but, the butthole sleeve. <laughs> the tunnel. All You're right. fucked up, bro. Well, it's it's right at the end of the episode that we get gross every week. I have to edit these and I'm like, man, we really went dark right there at the end. And it's always me. I like how I, I say we, but it's me. Um, anyway, uh, listeners, let us know what origin stories we missed or that you want us to cover in a future episode. Um, and uh, yeah, recommend us to a friend, uh, rate us on whatever podcast app you're listening to. If you're listening on Spotify, if you're listening on the whatever the android uh podcast app is if you're listening on apple podcasts whatever just rate us and let it every that that helps people find us um also telling people that we exist that helps people find us too in case you were wondering um and yeah otherwise we appreciate it thanks for listening and uh next week the green knight we'll see you then bye guys bye